0: Over 120 million people are going to go to a church worship service. So we've gathered together today, but across the United States, over 120 million people are going to gather on one single weekend. That's more than we'll go to a professional sporting event in an entire year. Isn't that amazing? Around the world, well over 2 billion people believe in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the truth. And the life and a member of a church, why, why do they do this? Why do we do this? What's the benefits? What's the payoff? What, why get out of bed today and go to church? A lot of people don't have a clear reason. Uh, some attend out of habit, some do it out of tradition, some do it out of duty, some do it out of pressure from someone else, pressure with from within. If we were just to pause this morning and someone were to ask you, why are you part of a church family? What would you say? If we were just paused and they were saying, why are you, why are you part of Rockbrook Church? What would you say? That's what I want to answer today. Next week, we're going to start a new series that we're calling More Than Conquerors. Romans chapter 8 says that in Christ, we're not only conquerors, but we're more than conquerors over the hardships, over the trials. Uh, so each week, we'll uh, dig into a different thing and different passage of Scripture Very excited for that series. We're going to finish 2018 strong. I'm ready to finish the year strong. I don't know about you, but this year went by quick for me. There's some weeks, some months, some days I wish I could have back, but we're going to finish it strong, right? Last weekend, I announced our uh, end-of-the-year celebration offering. We want to be a blessing to others. This offering is going to go to uh, local ministries and global missions. I want to add to that this week uh, that we feel God has laid it on, on our heart. Uh, to help another church in a very tangible way. Uh, There's a church plant in Chicago uh, that they planted this fall, purpose-driven church plants called New Creation Church, and we feel God has just called us to give them a leg up. We're a church plant, and um, we've met in all manner of venues before we had a building. This church is meeting in a comedy theater And uh, some of you remember what it was like to get to a place super early on Sunday morning and clean up all the nacho cheese and vomit and beer and liquids we didn't want to identify and uh, get ready, uh, turn that place into a church. And what can happen with a church plan is a lot of people gather around a launch, get, you know, help out with a launch. But then in the months after that, um, you really need some help. So they need some love. They need some encouragement. Uh, Quite frankly, I'd love to give them uh, some money through our celebration offering Um, But let's watch this video of Pastor Ricky Brown at New Creation Church.
1: So why plant a new church in Hyde Park? Living here for five years, I've grown more and more in love with the people and the culture of this community. The area has grown so much. There are 200,000 people that live within a three-mile radius of Hyde Park. And the last church was started over 20 years ago, so it's time for something new. When we say something new, we're not just talking about a new church. We're talking about the newness of life that only comes inside a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we exist to extend that invitation. It's not cool to know about something amazing and not tell people about it. When you think about the art, the music, the diversity, the culture of our community, we see our Sundays as a celebration. I mean, we're meeting in the Revival Comedy Theater. You can't be sad in a place where people come to laugh. I think people are looking for something that's real and authentic. We want to be a place for people who are done with church but not done with God. Our vision for this church is that we would always be sharing what we have with other people, loving on the people around us, and that we would always be working towards planting new churches. So that's what this is all about, and man, I'm excited.
0: That's so great. What a populated area, and what a great thing for us to help out with. I don't know if you watch the news, guys, but Chicago needs churches. Chicago needs churches. churches, new churches, more churches, and uh, New Creation Church is not asking for this. They did not come to this and come to us. They're not asking anybody for anything. Uh, they don't even know that I'm standing before you and saying this. Uh, I want to surprise them with it. I'd love I'd love it if our church could surprise them with a $10,000 gift uh, for Christmas um, so that we, you can give to that through the celebration offering. We're going to Um, Launch the celebration offering this Friday At our night of worship Why then? Because giving is not just a business transaction It's an act of worship Uh, So we want to launch our celebration offering uh, At the night of worship And then uh, anytime You don't have to give it then Anytime between uh, then and the end of the year uh, You can just designate a gift celebration offering But why help a church? Why go to church? Why love the church? Why the church. I want to say to you that if you will catch what I teach today, I believe this firmly that years from now you could look back to this message and this day as when God started to do something very powerful in your life. And today I want to teach to you what what we would call a DNA message of Rockbrook Church. It's why we exist, it's what we do, it's, it's who we are, it's the foundation of who we are. And we as a church family need to have clear in our minds who we are and what we do. And you need to know all the ways that God wants to meet the deepest needs in your life through his church. You need to know what the church provides. You can't get these things from a school or from work or even your own physical family. Um, but what, what is the church? How do you define it? Let's start there. Let's just define the church. When I say church, what do you think of? Well, depending on your background, your answer is going to vary. We've got a lot of different backgrounds in here, people. Many different. We've got people who grew up in Christian homes, grew up in non-Christian homes, people who grew up in Catholic churches, Protestant churches. For some reason, those two tend to marry each other and they come to Rockbrook. Maybe that's you. We've got people who grew up in atheist homes and in different religions. All that affects what your definition of a church is. And you probably have a very limited A a definition of what a church is let's start with what a church is not a church is not a building okay so that that church of a new new creation church they're just as much of a church as anybody even though they don't have a building we were a church before we had a building if this building were to be destroyed tonight we would still be Rockbrook Church right Jesus didn't die for a building a church is not an institution now this is a misconception we often think of the institutionalized church well churches have structure they have leadership just like they have buildings but they're not an institution a church is not an event the church gathers together the church has events but there's a higher calling write this down write this down a church is not a place i go nor an event i attend it's a spiritual family that i belong to the church is somewhere where we are planted the church is something on which you build your life now there are many 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 verses in the New Testament, in the Bible, where we get this truth. I just want to look at some phrases and some parts of Acts chapter 2. Why there? Because this is, the Holy Spirit has come, this is the first church. The first church in Jerusalem, and this is what describes that they did. Those who believed were baptized and added to the church. They joined with the other believers and committed themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. They worshipped together regularly at the temple courts. And met in small groups and homes for communion. And shared meals with great joy and thankfulness. They believed, baptized, joined, worshipped, fellowship, ministered together, ate together. According to the Bible, this verse and many, many others. Here's the definition of a church. A church is a group of baptized believers Who have joined together in a commitment to help each other fulfill God's purposes for their lives. The things in Acts chapter 2 that they said that they started doing. Those are the the purposes. Church is a group of baptized believers who have joined together in a commitment. That is the church. That is the church. Then the next question we need to ask is why? Why is the church the most important group on planet earth? You say, is it? Yeah, it is church is the most important group on planet earth it's not a specific nation it's not kings and prime ministers it's not congress it's not the senate it's not the United States of America the church is the most important group on planet earth why 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 is the church so important well number one the church is God's family that's why Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. It gives God great pleasure to have, a, to have family, to have the church. You became part of the human race the day you were born. How do you become part of God's family? When you are born again. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you're born again and God is adopting you into his family through Jesus Christ. What is that family? Who is that family? 1 Timothy 3.15, that family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. If you don't have a good support and foundation, you're going to crumble. You are, look up here for a second, you are building a house. You are building a house that is your life and you gotta build it on a good foundation. You've gotta have a good support. Otherwise, any wind, any earthquake, any catastrophe, any problem, that house is going down. You've gotta build it on a good support and foundation. The Bible says that support and that foundation is on Jesus Christ and his church. That's where you build a house. That's where you build your life. The church is not peripheral to God's plan. The church is God's plan. The church, God's not just simply, oh, there's a church, I'll use them to complete my plan. No, the church is God's plan. So number one, the church is God's family. Number two, the church is the reason God created the universe. God created the universe just so he could create this galaxy, just so he could create this solar system, just so he could get... Create this planet that could sustain life just so that those who choose to love him could be part of his church and part of his family. We, the church, are the reason everything else exists. There's no reason to back down from this, guys. God did not create the universe for government. He did not create it for healthcare, for business, for education. If God had not wanted a family, the church, none of this would exist. And it exists for him. That's how important it is. Ephesians 1, 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God thought of the church before he thought of the universe. God thought of you before he thought of the universe. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares about you. That's how much you matter to God. Ephesians two ten, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If God didn't want a church, nothing else would exist. You know, we we often associate a lot of uh, emotion with the family that we come from. Whether it be pride or, or disappointment, maybe even shame. But ultimately, we are part of God's family. He is our Heavenly Father. We are brothers and sisters. And he planned and prepared it that way long ago. Number three, God is using his church for his eternal purpose. Far bigger than our plans. This is amazing. There is an unseen reality. okay There's a factor that's bigger than us. Look at it in Ephesians 3 10 through 11. God's intent was that now, where? Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, that's the good news, that's grace, that's the message of God, should be made known to all the rulers and authorities. In the heavenly realms, whoa, what does that mean? It means God is using the church to show off to show off to the spiritual authorities and powers, according to His eternal purpose, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I don't know what all that involves, but there's an unseen factor that's bigger than us, and one reason God will share His glory with the church and no one else is because the church is on display even to what we can't see. I love this passage again in the message paraphrase. Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. God's plan for all time is the church. No church, no universe. No church, no time. No church, no plan. That's why it's most important. Number four, Jesus died for his church. He didn't die for a nation, he didn't die for a building, he didn't die for a tradition, he didn't die for a ritual he wanted to see happen, he didn't die for an event, he died for the church. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I want to be like Christ, I want to love the church. He died so that he could give the church to himself like a bride in all her beauty. He died so that the church could be pure and without fault. How do you know when something's worth something? How do you know something you have? How do you know how much it's worth? Uh, what someone's willing to pay for it? What's the church worth? God said it's so valuable, it's worth so much, it's, it's worth my very life. That I'll lay my life down for the church. That's how val- valuable it is. That's how important it is. Just like a father would give his life, lay down his life for his wife, for his children, for his family. I lay down my life for one thing, one thing only, the church. That's what Jesus says. Number five, it's the only thing on earth that will last forever. No business will last forever. I read an article uh, this week about businesses throughout history that people thought were unshakable, that, we, that would be around forever, immovable. And uh, I was going to name some of them, but honestly, I'd never even heard of some of them. And hundreds of years ago, there's, or hundreds of years from now, there's not going to be Amazon, Walmart, Toyota. Businesses don't last forever. Not, nations don't last forever. You can look throughout history. Empires, people thought, would rule the earth forever. Dwindled, some of them not even here anymore. The United States of America won't last forever. One thing lasts forever. Only one thing on planet earth right now that's going to last forever. It's God's church. It's what he created it for. Ephesians 3.21, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. This is why when you serve the church, you store up treasure in heaven. When you give to the church, you store up treasure in heaven. When you invite people to church, you make a difference for eternity. One day at the second coming of Christ, we'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Thessalonians says that we will Be with the Lord together forever. Who's the we? You guessed it, it's the church. That's who it is. The church is the we in that verse. Number six, the church is the only group Jesus said would succeed. The church is the most powerful force in the world. Now in Western culture, it doesn't always look that way. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not conquer it. And we know that's true because the church has been the most attacked, most persecuted, most tortured, most ridiculed group on the planet. It's still here. 2,000 years later, it's still here. The church has survived every attack. Jesus is in the church building business. He's not interested in building my reputation. He's not interested in building your reputation. He's not interested in building clubs and organizations and, and buildings. He says, I'm going to build my family, the church. Yes, there are battles that we don't win in. And there are losses. But I've read the last book of the Bible, and the church wins. The church in the end wins. All the powers all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And like Jesus, I'll just tell you, as your pastor, I'm never going to apologize for asking you to give to this church. Asking you to serve your church, asking for you to love the people in this church, asking for you to lay down your life for the people in this church. Because Jesus said it's the only thing that will ever succeed. Number seven, the church is the only group big enough to solve global problems. Governments can't do it The UN can't do it Economic forums These public and private partnerships that we read about Can't do it They're not big enough No business is big enough No nation is big enough The church is bigger than China The church is bigger than India I've been in villages I've been places in the jungle Where the only thing is a church There's so many villages They don't have a fire department They don't have a post office They have a church the church was global hundreds of years before anyone was talking about globalization. The church is the only truly global thing. Colossians 1.6 says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by change. Everywhere lives are changing. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. All the global problems cannot be solved without About a third of the world's population, which are members of churches. Did you know that the church invented the hospital? Not government, not business. Why? Because scripture says Jesus went around preaching, teaching, and caring for the sick. Preaching, teaching, caring for the sick. That's why the the first hospital in every country was started by the church. The first school in every country was started by the church. Why? Because you went preaching, there's a church. You went teaching, there's a school. You went caring for the sick, there's a hospital. The church did that. The church, churches, Christians, who care for the sick like no other, they solve global problems. By his mighty power at work within us, God is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or hope. Number eight, The greatest privilege in life is to be part of God's church. It's more important than your nationality, than what family you come from, your background. This is why there is no room in the church for self-righteousness. There is no room in the church for racism. Because we're all part of God's family. And there's no room in the church for racism. Because that's a brother, that's a sister in the Lord. There's no room in the church for unforgiveness, for bitterness. Because that's your brother and si- that's your sister in the Lord. The church is God's family and the greatest privilege in life is to be part of God's family. First Peter 1.3 says, God has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members. Circle that word members of God's own family. We are members. Did you know that the word uh, member actually comes from the Bible? People today, when they hear the word "member," they think of lots of different things. I think of being a rewards member. Everybody wants me to be a rewards member of their company, right? You know, you, you think of a, a credit card, and you, you become a member, or the airline, or you think of you know, funny hats or secret handshakes or a member of a club. A member is, is a biblical word. It's just talking about how a hand is a member of a body, an ear is a member of a body. If you cut off an ear, what value is the ear? has no value. If you remove a hand from a body, what, what value is that hand? It has no value. It has no worth. If you remove an eyeball from a head, it can't do anything. It has to be attached to the body. What good is a Christian detached from the body? No good. No value. You know, we find our strength and support in the church. What about a hand that says, well... Uh, this week I'm going to be attached to this body and then I'm going to disconnect and this week I'll be attached to this body and then I'll disconnect and this week I'll be attached to, it would shrivel and die. Okay, the person who says, well, I love Jesus, but I don't need a church, is ignorant. They have not studied the New Testament because if you study the New Testament, only about four or five times is the word church even, even used so like some people will say, well, I'm just part of the global church. I'm just part of the, the, the big church. Well, only about four or five times is the church, word church even used in that way in the New Testament. Almost every time, it's talking about local groups of baptized believers, local congregations. Met at Lydia's house and, you know, the church of Ephesus and church of Colossians. Okay, the New Testament. You see Jesus, he says, I'm going to build my church. Then you see the book of Acts. What's that? It's the Acts of the Apostles. What were those Acts? Planting churches. Then all the epistles are written to local congregations, baptized believers. They're written to churches or pastors. And then you look in Revelation and who's Jesus talking to? Churches. This is what the whole thing's about. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I don't need a church. It offends Jesus. And the person who says, I can do ministry detached from the body is like a hand detached from an arm. You can't do it. Hebrews 2, Jesus says that he's not ashamed to call believers brothers and sisters. He's not ashamed of his family, the church. And what I see and what you see is there are a lot of Christians that are ashamed of the church. And Jesus says, you know what? Even in all its shortcomings and all of its faults and all of its mistakes and all of its sins Christ says I love the church and I'm not ashamed of the church and I want to be like Jesus I want to be a member of his family first Corinthians three sixteen says don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you now this is a tricky verse to translate into, into English, uh, because the English language is just flat out missing a word that many languages have. Did you know this? That, like, our dictionary just doesn't even carry a word that it, it needs that our language needs, and it's the second-person plural. So we have first-person plural in the English language, and we have third-person plural. So we can say "I and "we." We can say they or he or she, they. But there's no second person plural. So different dialects have had to come up with a word for this. So up north, it's use guys, use guys. And then in Pennsylvania, it's yins, And then in the south, what is it? Y'all. Wow, you guys are the best at that. That was good. Y'all. So when Paul says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, he's saying all of you together. He's saying y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Christ lives in you, and you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you, but one way you could say it is that God's presence is in a building, all right, and you are the stones, you are the living stones. Wherever two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, there he is among them. That we are the, that God's, God's presence is not hidden behind some veil in a temple. It's where the church is gathered together. Don't you realize, Rockbrook Church, that all of us together are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in us. The spirit of God is among us today. We are the living stones. It's a family. Maybe you say, okay, I get it, Ryland. Uncle, I get it. Church is the most important group on the earth. I agree. It's the family I belong to But the next question that comes up is What are the purposes of the church then? What are these purposes that you talk about? Our church wants to be driven by these purposes want to be, that's what, Everything's driven by something We want to be driven by these purposes If you were to look up the word drive in the dictionary You'd see it's to control, to direct, to guide Like when you get behind a car, you drive it, you control it, you guide it, you direct it. When the chiefs take the field, they go on a drive, they control, guide, direct the ball down the field. And so drives, everything is driven by something. Every business, every nation, every organization, every life is driven by something. Every church is driven by something. Here are some things churches are driven by. Some are driven by tradition, that this is the way Uh, we did it years ago this way our grandparents did it and this is our tradition some are driven by a personality and it takes on a a certain personality in the church or oftentimes they're driven by the personality of the pastor and you know uh, a church is personality driven is when that pastor retires or steps down or burns out or whatever that the church is left floundering because it was built around the personality of uh, of a person some churches are driven by preference. It's just here's the things in the Bible that we choose to care about, that we prefer to care about, and they're driven by their preference. Some are driven by finances, some are driven by programs, that it's just, let's just keep church people busy. Let's just do as much as we can. And the fruit of, of church life is just to be busy with church things. And some are driven by buildings, how big of a building, how great of a building, how nice of a building can we build, Some are driven by events. What's the greatest event we can pull off? And how many times can we pull it off in a year? A purpose-driven church has all these things. Guys, I'm not saying these are dirty words. Purpose-driven churches have traditions. We're not afraid of our personality and who we are. We have preferences. We have finances. We have programs. We have buildings. We have events. But that's not driving this church. That's not the lens that, that we look through. We're driven by balancing and emphasizing five eternal biblical purposes. And when you read Acts chapter 2, these are the five things they started doing. When you read the New Testament, anytime the church is doing something, it's one of these five things. When you read uh, Jesus' report to God the Father in John 17, he talks about these five things. And we're driven by these things. Why? Because many are the plans in a man's heart. But it's the Lord's purpose that prevails The only way to make something that will last Is to do something in someone's life According to the Lord So I want to give you the benefits of belonging to a church family A church family that's fueled and driven by these purposes I want to give you the benefits of making it a priority in your life The benefits of, of loving it The benefits of serving it The benefits of giving to it The benefits of coming under its authority Number one, it'll help me focus on God You know how easy it is to lose your focus? I've got to constantly refocus my focus. Coming together as a church family, meeting with my small group, it helps me focus my life. If I didn't have a focus for my life, my worries would overcome my life. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. You won't have to worry about anything. All of the rest of the things will be taken care of. Focus changes everything. The bigger God gets in my mind, the smaller my problems are. The smaller... God is in my mind, the bigger my problems are. This is the purpose of worship. If you want the theological word or the purpose word, this is worship. When I focus my life on God, loving God, knowing God, that's worship. Number two, being connected to a church family will help me find freedom from life's problems. It helps a whole lot to know that other people are in the fight with you. Because when you get discouraged, which you will, Because life is tough, but God never meant for you to go through that absolutely alone. But you will face problems. Life is a series of problems. It's been said that you're either coming out of a problem, you're in one, or you're going into one. Anybody have a testimony for that? Yeah. Life is a series of problems. But what I found is that most people are playing a cosmic version of whack-a-mole with their problems. Or here's a problem pops up, got to take care of that problem. Then this problem pops up over here, got to take care of this problem, take care of this problem. This problem came up again, got to take care of this problem again. And most people live and die for their problems. They're born, they die, and all they did in between was solve problems. They lived for their problems. What a waste. What a waste. The secret isn't try to solve every problem, the secret is to get something in your life Bigger than your problems to live for, to where those problems become mere distractions, and you cannot do this alone. We've seen people in our church overcome, face, and overcome some of the biggest problems in life. How do you face and find freedom from an addiction problem, a medication addiction, a drug addiction, a pornography addiction? How do you face and and find freedom from a a parenting problem, a marriage problem, a work problem? Not on your own. You need a group of, you need a small group of people around you. You need true fellowship. This is why it's so powerful in Celebrate Recovery. When you come to the realization, I'm powerless. I'm powerless to change you, and I'm powerless to change me. And that's when I begin to find freedom. Because I stop... Making it a solo act and I stop making my life all about my problems. But I find freedom from God. This is true fellowship. If you want the theological word, the purpose word, this is true fellowship. Number three, it'll help me fortify my faith. Fortify means to strengthen. Because when you get with other people in God's family, you set up right values, right support. You establish your priorities. You fortify your faith. Helps you decide what's important, what's trivial. You know this is true. There's a lot of phony ideas out there. There's not just fake news, there's fake everything. And you find anyone to tell you anything you want to hear on the internet, on television, on the radio. You can get people with all types of initials after their last name to tell you the phoniest idea in the world. And if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. You've got to fortify your faith. This is true discipleship. This is discipleship when we fortify our faith. Number four, it will help me find my place to make a difference. You aren't here to just take up space and then disappear. God has something unique for you. He wants you to leave a legacy. He wants you to learn how to serve God by serving others. Best way to do that is in a church family. You, when you get to heaven, God's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? The time I gave you, the opportunity I gave you, the money I gave you, what would you do with it? And my job as a pastor is to make sure that when you get to that question, you don't say, I didn't know you were gonna ask me that. It's to prepare you for that day. So you may be able to say, God, I cared about what you, what you care about. And you said you cared about these people. God, you said you wanted to reward me for doing what matters to you. And I didn't say, God, I don't care about the rewards. I don't care about what matters to you. I cared about what you care about. This is ministry. This is ministry. This, determ- this question determines your ef- effectiveness as a believer, as a church member. Number five, it will help me fulfill my life mission. You were put on earth to make that, dif- make that difference in the church and outside the church. And if you don't fulfill your mission, it won't get, gun- get done. This is the purpose of evangelism, to go and tell, go and tell. To share your faith with others. To be on mission where God has placed you. This is what drives this church, worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, evangelism. This is what, what meets your biggest needs. So where are you in this? Just before we, we go to prayer, I, I ask you to, to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, Lord, what do you, what do you need me to see today? Do do you believe in Jesus Christ? Have you been baptized? You know, baptism, we're going to be doing baptisms next week. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of being buried with Christ, risen to new life in the name of Jesus Christ. It's a symbol that says, I belong to a church family, and I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to be a child of God. We'd love to help you with your baptism next week, but just ask the Holy Spirit, God, where, where am I in this? What do you want me... To see. Let's pray Heavenly Father I thank you for this church family We come from different backgrounds Different age groups Different economic strata Even political differences And we all come together in this family called Rockbrook God I thank you so much for this church So many who open up their homes and open up their lives and give of their time and give of their talent give of from what you've given them God it's an honor to be a part of it Lord we want to be part of your family we we don't want to say that we don't need your body the church Because we're going to live forever in heaven with you and your family. And God, we want to know you. We want to see how our needs can be met by your family. We want to fulfill your purposes for our life. So God, today we're saying yes to you. God, we just come before you as Rockbrook Church. As humbly as we know how, as simply as we know how, to say yes to you. Yes, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.